Welcome to a special edition, and I'm not sure what to call this, the American Shoreline Podcast or the Canadian Shoreline Podcast because we're coming live to you from Hoskins Channel in British Columbia, just north of Campbell River, British Columbia, on our way to the Octopus Island Marine Park. That's right. I'm on board a sailboat, a Cooper 353, about a 36-foot sailboat. Absolutely beautiful day. Happy Canada Day, everybody. July 1st, this is Canada Day. It's not the Independence Day of Canada, but the national holiday of Canada. Fireworks, parades, the whole thing, like we do down in the Americas. But uh, up here in Canada, we're on board. This is the maiden voyage of the Halikai, I believe is the current name, the Halikai, which is Hawaiian for home on the water, I think. This ship was recently acquired by my brother-in-law, Craig, who uh, is going to rename it the Murlet after, and all you folks up here in the Northwest would know, the marbled Murlet, a rare endangered seabird that can land in the ocean, fish eater, and nests in old growth forests on the Pacific Northwest Coast. This ship has not been officially renamed. It's still the Halakai, but here it is, Canada Day, July 1st. We are sort of at anchor, not at anchor, but we are south of just at the entrance of what is called the Surge Channel, Surge Narrows, actually. And uh, we're up here, and, and it is narrow. The current's running through this narrow channel, natural channel, uh, at about five knots. And uh, you have to wait for the slack tide to move through it. Um, and that's what we're doing. So you might hear a little bit of wind in the background. Uh, but that's what we're doing. We're, uh, we're on board the boat. It is absolutely a beautiful beautiful day. The sun is out. A nice little breeze. Uh, we are not, however, under sail. We are under motor power. Um, Craig is the, uh, is the captain. He's an experienced boatsman, but uh, first time sailboat owner. And uh, we have uh, cruised up from Campbell River up here to the entrance of the Surge Narrows. Uh, we're going to cross through this Narrows, uh, transit across. There's about a 20-minute slack tide through this very narrow, uh, spectacular waterway uh, and get to what is called Octopus Island in the Octopus Island Marine Park, where I think we're going to anchor for the night. Um, so let me describe the scene. Uh, it's, sail it's like sailing in the mountains. We're surrounded by forested, heavily forested hills, some, some mountains. There's snow-capped mountains further into the distance. Uh, volcanic peak off to the right, kind of north, as we make the turn sort of slightly westward uh, through this narrows. Uh, this is really a very narrow valley between two islands that we are about to pass through. There's nothing artificial about it. The water depth here is about 400 feet. Uh, it is a rocky 
shoreline. Uh, there are a few houses in this bay system. I think we're coming up, we came up what is called Hoskins Channel, uh, H-O-S-K-Y-N-S, Hoskins Channel. And much of the f geographic features in this part of British Columbia are uh, named after uh, British naval officers from the mid-1800s. Hoskins was a, a naval surveyor, I believe. Uh, not 100% sure about his origin. I read about it, but cannot remember. But spectacular, slightly cloudy, sunny though, warm, wearing shirts and a t-shirt, no rain gear, no sweaters. It's July 1st. The water is not glass quite. There's a slight breeze, some ripples across the water surface, but you know, the boat is moving as smoothly and gently as a baby's butt. It is just lovely. Uh, on the trip up to, uh, to the Surge Narrows, we encountered probably four groups of humpback whales, uh, two or three in a group. Um, we did not get close, as you don't, uh, but saw the spouts. One of the pairs uh, surfaced about 10 to 20 yards off of the starboard bow. Uh, so it was right next to the boat, pretty much, you know, right there. And you could hear the big exhale, fantastic. Uh, there is one other boat in the Narrows as we work our way into the entrance. We're not quite, quite in it. There's a small, there's another sailboat ahead of us, also under motor power. You really can't do this passage under sail. Uh, with the strength of the currents, it would, you know, back in the day they did, of course, and certainly there are sailors who can do it today. Uh, we are not in that group. <laughs> so so we're, we've decided to motor, and uh, which is what we've been doing all day just to get a feel for this boat. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't raised the main sail or unsheathed the jib. Uh, but uh, we will. Uh, by the end of this week, we're going to be sailing around these inner passages of British Columbia, maybe Lynn, to Desolation Sound, uh, which, if I've heard the story right, was named by, uh, boy, who was the guy who, uh, Vancouver, who uh, first explored this area and called the particular part of the trip through these intricate passageways between these really flooded mountain valleys, a desolation sound, and uh, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's spectacular. Uh, so it all kind of depends on what you're looking for. But anyway, happy Canada Day, everybody. Uh, this is Peter Ravella, the host of the American Shoreline Podcast, but for the next week, I'm going to be putting shows together. I don't know, I don't know when we're going to get them down to uh, Tyler to put on the network. Uh, but this is day one and uh, show number one. And uh, I think I'm going to call it this, uh, this series, the Canadian Shoreline Podcast, live. Well, it's not going to be live when you hear it, but I'm recording it live from the deck of the Murlet 
a Cooper 353. This is a 1983 boat. I got to say, it's in spectacular condition. Beautiful boat. Um, And I'm on board with uh, my brother-in-law, Craig, uh, and my brother, Neil. Uh, And hopefully, during the week, uh, we'll have a chance to... uh, to talk to them and get their impressions of this magnificent part of the North American shoreline. It is absolutely stunning. So to all the Canadians out there, happy Canada Day. And to you Americans down in the uh, the lower 48, as they say from up here, uh, happy Independence Day week and uh, enjoy the, the day off this week. Signing off from the Murlet at the entrance of the Surge Narrows, this is Peter Ravella on the Canadian Shoreline Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Peter Ravella, and welcome to a special edition of the American Shoreline Podcast. I am at the Blind Channel Resort in British Columbia. I guess we're on the Inner Passage, or are we not? Passage, that's right. And I am sitting with uh, the proprietor of this absolutely fantastic place, uh, Elliot. Elliot Richter. El- Elliot Richter, who's, as I understand Elliot, and I, we just met, so uh, Elliot, I heard that your family has had this resort for some time now. Can you tell us a little bit about, your, tell us about yourself and, and, and the history of this fantastic resort that we're at? Well, I grew up here. Um, my grandparents originally bought this place in 1970. Uh, they were, uh, they were cruising in a boat that my grandfather had built, uh, exploring the coastline with their family, and, um, and they found Blind Channel for sale. Uh, there was a small store here, it was just a little outpost. Um, they had a, a little bit of a dock, a small government dock, and um, uh, they saw potential. So they, my grandparents made the decision to move up here, and my dad uh, shortly afterwards came to join them to help out, and uh, he never went back. Um, and uh, and so here we are, 49 years later. Wow. And so now we have uh, my, my kids here, so we've had four generations of uh, my family living here. Wow. Well, I'm going to brag about it. For the people down, <clears throat> um, this is the second show on our tour of British Columbia, and in, it's the inside passage. Is that, how, is that the proper phrasing? Yep. Uh, it's just stunning up here, and this place that your family has is we just had an extraordinarily good meal. I had the halibut, my brother had the New York strip, Craig had the braised chicken, we had the we had the mussels, the and and I had the chowder. I mean it, and I have a brandy. And the setting is like nothing in Texas for all you folks down there in Texas. <laughs> it is absolutely beautiful and such a fabulous place in this beautiful dock. This and uh I saw Elliot, I saw your, your kids that ride their bikes around. I'm like, man, what a cool place to grow up. Well, they love it. Yeah. Did, did you grow up here? I did, yeah. So they're, they're uh, having kind of a similar experience to what I, what I had as a kid. And, you know, I, I, I was living in Vancouver for a while. And uh, when I, we were you know, getting to the age where we were starting to think about having kids, uh, made the decision to move back up here because I, I kind of wanted my kids to have uh, the same opportunity that I did coming, coming up. And... Uh, yeah, I think it was a great decision. Um, they really they love it here, and um, and uh, they're they're talking about how are they, how they're going to their succession plan. How are how are they going to get involved when they get older? So, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. When uh, 
We're in a pretty remote part. Can you set the scene for our listeners? Uh, what is the channel that we're on, and why is this location such a great location for your for the Blind Channel Resort? Um, it's. Uh we're on West Thurlow Island, which is kind of wedged in between Vancouver Island and the mainland. So, uh, and it's sheltered from from strong winds, which come up in Johnson Strait quite frequently. So, as people are headed north, it's a great place to stop, shelter from from the wind if need be, uh, get up on shore and experience. You know, just just enjoy a nice dinner where they can relax and don't have to worry about. Right. You know, that's what we're doing. Yeah. We got off the boat. It's got you have fuel. About a thirty slip marina. I'm guessing yeah. Yeah, something in that neighborhood. Just absolutely beautiful, and the restaurant is kind of up on the bluff above the marina with this incredibly gorgeous view, um, and a and a and a five star. Re- I mean, it's a fantastic restaurant. It is absolutely. You just Thank don't think out in the middle of nowhere that you're going to pull into a place where you're going to have a, just this beautiful food. Well, we we're always try to exceed people's <laughs> expectations. Well, you certainly exceeded mine. So. Um, I understand you had so you'd lived in Vancouver in the city of Vancouver, British Columbia, not yeah. Vancouver, Washington. For British you Columbia. folks down there, uh, no, I've never in, lived in the United States. Uh, Campbell River, British Columbia, Vancouver. Um, yeah. And but. what is it like to make the decision to uh, move from a, a, an international city of Vancouver, which is one of the most vibrant cities I think in North America? Really, it's fantastic, um, and to come to this. I wouldn't say remote because there's a lot of people up here. I mean, they pass by. Mm-hmm. But what was that like for you to make the decision to invest your time and energy into into being in? It was in a very comfortable transition for me because I grew up here. Uh, it may have been more difficult for my wife, who uh, grew up out just outside of Vancouver. Um, it was, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really quiet out here in the winter, so you really have to be quite resourceful with your time and. Um, you know, it's kind of, um, you, you do have quite a bit of freedom to be creative, um, you know, and, and, you know, think about the future and what what do you want the place to look like and what, what do you want, who do you want to attract and what do you want them to see? And you can build that. You have this, the space and the freedom to do that. So that's what I, what I kind of, you know, I think she, she kind of learned to, to, to grasp that and, um, and, you know, I, like I say, I, I was I, I'm actually more comfortable here than I am in the city because yeah. it's it's what yeah. I grew up with, and and for me it's just coming home. You know, it's um, it, it 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 is a transition. You know, to, from traffic and you know, from, from here we have our boats come and go with the tides. That's when you know you're gonna have rush hours. A few boats come around the corner when when the, the tide changes. Right. So very very different pace, but. You know, uh, the the guy who I'm on that we're on a on a boat here that we uh, just picked up in Campbell River yesterday. So this is the maiden voyage. The captain of that boat, uh, Craig Burrell, is uh, similar. This is where he wants to be. He lives down in Olympia in the hustle and the bustle and has a real job. But his heart and soul are on the inner passes from here up to Petersburg, Alaska, and further. Mm-hmm. I, and it is special. It is the, the remoteness of it, but it's I I, I don't. It, it's something. It's it's like sailing or boating through these incredible mountain valleys. Mm-hmm. It's sort of what it feels like, and it's yeah. it's just so spectacular. Um, Blind Channel has an advantage of being remote, but also fairly um, accessible. Uh, 
you know, we have a, a fairly major center of close to 40,000 people, um, relatively close by. We take a short boat ride um, to Vancouver Island, and then we can drive for about 45 minutes to, you know, a, a center where we can we can we can do whatever shopping we need to. Uh, we're, my, my my son's in soccer this year. My my daughter is. Uh, was in ballet, um, so you know we can yeah. get into some extracurricular. We're not that far away that we just can't access wow. things. So you go to play it when your son has a soccer game. Is it down in Campbell River or Nanaimo? River, yeah. Campbell River, yeah. You get down to Campbell River mm. for the for the afternoon and exactly. do the soccer dad thing. I was a soccer dad too. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's incredible. So, you know, that's the best of both worlds. Yeah, for sure it is. And living in Vancouver, I remember the people that tra- that commuted, you know, that far every day. They'd be in traffic for an hour and a half, you know. Trying to get to work and back. Yeah, so, that'll drive you know, me crazy and give me a heart attack. The commute here is, 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 is I prefer it. Anyway. Well, your father, your grandparents came in 1970, yes. uh, so that's 30 years plus the additional, what we're 19, so that's almost 50 years, 49, 49 years. Yeah. When you listen to them talk about how it used to be, mm-hmm. is there anything that stands out? Is the environment similar? Is Has it changed much in the time that your family has had the Blind Channel Resort? Yeah. Well, it's very different from what it was. I mean, my, my grandparents would tell stories about uh, feeding the locals when they'd come in by rowboat for their mail, you know, once every couple of weeks. And they would t- take most of the day to get here, and they'd have to come on the tide. So, of course, once they're here, they have to wait till the next day to go home. So they didn't wow. wake them up for dinner, and it'd be a different batch of people every day coming up for. Because there's for, a post office here, right? Did a I post notice office. that? Yeah, that so you guys the mail are gets the... flown in by float plane. Um, so yeah, back then, you know, there are people people in float houses and all the little bays, and um, and you know, if people if the people were more inclined to live closer to where they worked in those days. So uh, the, the loggers. You know, Logging camps would be populated with with families. Um, some of them even had their own schools. Um, the uh, you know there were there were fishermen, uh, tugboat operators, uh, small sawmill operators. Um, so there were a lot more like small business. Wow. Um, yeah, just just out remotely on the coast where, Wait, and that's kind of there's been a there's been a, a trend toward of course centralization. Into larger centers for since the 1930s, really, it, it started because there used to be little towns scattered all over the coast, and they were all connected by the Union steamship lines. Um, it was easier for them to get around back then by boat than it was by car. The roads weren't, you know, right. weren't what they are now. So, um, so yeah, gradu- and, and I've seen it in my own lifetime. There used to be some, fa- you know, several families in the area. So when we had, you know, a birthday party or. There were enough kids to get together to, to have wow. a, a little gathering, and um, and now it's you know there are um, there are houses and there's you know establishments, but they're mostly seasonal, almost almost exclusively seasonal. You know, it's the odd one that's the odd person that or couple that that uh, kind of live remotely, but it's it's it, it's it's just a very uncommon thing. You know, transportation's a lot better than it used to be, a lot safer, a lot faster. So people can work here and still live in Campbell River or live wow. in, live in Nanaimo somewhere else. You know, they they don't have to live where they work. They just do their shift. Their shift, and then I did notice in coming up, um, we came up from Campbell River and up the Johnson um, Channel or Strait. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
when I did see houses along the shoreline, they were sometimes quite elaborate. Mm -hmm. um, and there, it, it's not densely developed at all up here, mm -hmm. but uh, you can tell there's... If you have a place up here, you probably have money to have a place up here. Yeah. There's not a lot of, you know, working class folks who are making a living in either fishing or timber or logging or any of that. No, it doesn't they, seem. They I didn't all see commute anything. in and out. That's right. They, and th we did notice in coming up. Um, a lot of aquaculture farms mm -hmm. up and down the channel. Is that new? When did that start to happen? Oh, it probably started in the. 1980s. Really? Uh, yeah, and they were little mom and pop operations back then. Um, and they, you know, over the years have become kind of uh, all swallowed up, I guess, by by larger and larger outfits. Um, so there's, you know, they're they're global operations yeah. now. They're, it's it's really a, it's a big business. Um, but. Uh, how do the how do the um, you know and I we've covered a lot of this story up in Bristol Bay and other parts of Alaska where the shift toward aquaculture is a significant mm -hmm. issue down in the states too on the Oregon coast um, because of the interplay with the natural salmon runs and I assume that these are aquaculture operations are primarily salmon is that true or are they yep, mostly yep, salmon they, they raise salmon uh -huh. and uh, how that works with the natural stock. Um, when, how are the commercial fishing? I mean, is there a way to summarize what the perspective is of the folks who who, who rely on wild stock? Uh, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a fairly polarized debate. Um, you know, and I, I hear, I hear people on both sides of the issue, and and actually, that's that's one thing I, I really, one thing I really like about my unique perspective here being in the tourism business um, and also we, we, we do provide transportation to industry on the on the coast we've been doing that for about 10 years and being in you know so that kind of allows us to get to mm -hmm. know people who are working in logging and in aquaculture um, and see what goes on a little bit behind the scenes so it's it, it's a big conversation, um, and I think that people ch kind of choose to they choose which side they want to be on, and they seem to mm. they only seem to listen to you know the the uh, rhetoric mostly right. from whatever 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 camp they're in. Yeah. Um, I think it's really much more of a it's a it's a bigger issue. It's a lot more complex. I mean, there's the um, for, for, from what I from from my perspective I mean I don't like to take sides but you know right. we have to uh, I think make our industries as as uh, as clean as they can be um, as, as responsible as they can be and we need to hold them to account right but uh, we also need to work with them right um, because they support our they support our economy they you know it's it's, it's a it's a form of yeah well, 7.5 billion people on the planet exactly. instead of doubling 20. Yeah. Uh, the reliance on protein, especially fisheries, mm -hmm. is going to be increasingly under demand. Mm -hmm. um, if they can figure out, if we can figure out how to responsibly uh, raise fish in captivity, mm -hmm. um, it's important to feed the world. Yeah. And, um, 
and I think every, I think all of the countries, I mean, are struggling with what exactly is the best practice for this in the shrimp farm, say in Malaysia, right. where they're cutting down the mangroves, and you know, there's a lot of devastation. But they're also 90% of the seafood consumed in the United States is imported. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is, and a lot of it is in aquaculture now, especially mm-hmm. from around the world, because we like we like this stuff. Yes, I mean, the meal I just had was fantastic, and. Mm-hmm. As much as I like schnitzel, and I do, I'm like, when I'm this close to the water, I'm not, it's all seafood for me. This is as good as you can get. <laughs> so right. I just love the, yeah. the menu you had at the restaurant here is spectacular. But, and I think, I, I think the point that you're making about the complexity of the issue um, is partly what we try to explore mm-hmm. in the conversations we have with people. It is easy to pick one side or the other and mm-hmm. just be there. Yeah. Uh, but the fact of the matter is there's a reason these investments are being made. There are, re- there, are, there are families that are relying on that for their income, and there are buyers for that product. So it's, right. it's hard to be black and white about this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, you know, we've always, uh, like I say, we started doing, a, we started providing marine transportation for, uh, well, we've been doing it for about 10 years, and uh, before that, um, it was really quite a struggle for my family to to afford to, to live here. I mean, the tourist season is just so short. Right. Um, what is it here? Well, what, what do you all consider the tourist season? Um, the boating season starts in... April? A, few, a little, really May, mid-May, it starts to pick up. Um, and then, you know, it still kind of comes in spurts until uh, after after the uh, the long weekend in July. You got about a, a two months of where you're really busy enough to. Wow. That's what, that's where you, you wow. make the money for the for the year, right? So it's, is uh, that it's, right? It, that it, it's, it's, it's eight to ten weeks, a ten yeah. to maybe twelve weeks. Right. Wow, so, that's very intensive. So every day that you're busy or not busy, you know, that can make or break your season. Absolutely. So this has really helped to diversify, you know, and, and kind of um, allow us to, um, it just gives us a bit more comfort and peace of mind and flexibility. The restaurant? And, well, no, the, 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 the transportation. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see. It's serving that the, yeah. the, the aquaculture industry it's, in the area. Yeah, and the forestry. They need, um, a, you know, they need a good place to eat. I mean, you can't. Well, it's transportation. It's, it's, we're bringing people in and out of camps. Oh, um, are you? Every day. So you have, you have uh, boat... Yeah, boat. Four, we have four water taxis that we're running. They're always oh, busy. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, there's wow. a huge demand for it. and Because there, there aren't very many people out here that um, that can provide a service like that. Uh, wow. And it's actually sort of eclipsed um, all our other business... Really? Fantastic. ...components. So, Great. You what, know... What, what is it like here in December? Uh, it's... Um, well, it, it depends dark. on your perspective. It is <laughs> well, quite dark. Yeah, I mean, physically, it's, it's very. It, it, it can be there, very beautiful. It's uh, the, you know, especially you get a snowy day and then or it's snow and then the sun comes out and the snow, the yeah. snow line right on the water and all yeah. hanging in the trees and. Um, but you know, it's a wet climate. It's uh, it's the rain coast. It's uh, right. It can be dark and windy, and you get some pretty, pretty good storms. And, so, yeah, but of course, in December, you've got your Christmas lights up, and that helps. When you go on vacation, where do you go? Um, when your wife says, let's go, we got to go on vacation, because a lot of people go on vacation to come here. That's mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I come here, and, and, and here you are in what would be considered paradise yep. for many people who come here. When you guys are ready to get away and change the scene, where do you like to go? Um, 
well, we, we still have friends and family in Vancouver, so, you know, we, we, we go to the city. Uh, <laughs> right, go to the city, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, so right. Seattle as well, which is, well, usually we, those are work trips because we go down doing the boat show, but then we go out and see people that we know down there, and that's fun. And uh, Otherwise, uh, we have some family in California, and um, so we've made a few trips down there, and, uh, you know, uh, my wife actually is, uh, is uh, my current wife is Polish, so... We've, uh, we've been to see her family, and nice. you know, I, we just we we don't have a set routine of right. Okay. Man, uh, so uh, I, the, your grandfather's grandparents founded it, started it, bought it up, and spectacularly improved improved it over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, your parents, I assume, ran it mm-hmm. as well. Uh, do you have brothers and sisters as mm-hmm. well, or yep, what's it look like? I have in, a brother. He's in Vancouver. He he uh, he moved down there right out of high school and uh, he's come back for visits and well he might have put in another seat summer or two but uh, he's really settled in, in the city and that's so it's you and your wife and then your children mm-hmm. uh, are sort of the next generation of yeah. operators of uh, Blind Channel Resort mm-hmm. um, it's a spectacular place are you optimistic about the future I am yeah we're uh, our business is growing um you know, it's, uh, we keep, you know, as long as people keep coming in here and keep, you know, like yourself, find us and uh, appreciate what we're doing, I think it makes it all, it really, it makes it worth it for, for us. I mean, we, we love being here, but also sharing it with, with people every year. It's uh, we put a lot of work into it, and, uh, you know, it's, it's nice that people are, get to see that and appreciate it. And I, you know, it's a unique thing, and I, I, I really, I value that, I think, um, you know, to be able, you know, my family, like I say, a lot of people that were around here um, weren't able to make it, and we we we've always found a way, and um, definitely keep finding new ways. So I think uh, I think there's a lot of potential for the future, and you know, we always have ideas, and yeah, like I say, it's just a matter of uh, having the vision to to, to carry it out. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the commercial for you because uh, for all you folks down in the lower 48, um, the Blind Channel Resort up here in the, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it, on, on, what's the name of the channel that we're on? This is Main Passage. Main Passage. Yeah, Blind Channel was actually named by, well, the, it was, uh, the name was, was given to it because when when Captain Vancouver was exploring the coast, he he bypassed it. He didn't because it, it's kind of tucked in between East and West Thurlow Island. Right. Uh, it's it, and and it's easy to go by and not even know it. It's and here. And so we are on West Thurlow Island, we're on West but rather in we're on the sort of the eastern edge of the island yeah. on the Inner Passage. Uh, so, folks, I mean, this is a place to go. Uh, I think the closest place to land a plane here is probably to get to Campbell River, but take a float plane. They can where they can can they yeah, pull up? Planes in here, yeah, we, they, we get them in here. All you time. can fly direct. <laughs> you can, you can fly from Seattle by Kenmore Air to our dock. Is that right? Yeah. You can fly from Seattle to the Blind Channel Road. It is absolutely spectacular. Um, Elliot Richter, proprietor, manager, owner. What's your title? I guess so. Boss. All those, yeah. <laughs> All the boss of the Blind Channel Resort. Um, My parents are still here, and they're still involved in the company very much. They're, ah. Yeah. They're, uh, um, so it's a, it's a partnership. Mm-hmm. Great. Family partnership. Um, last question. Uh, 
when you grew up here, I could just imagine what it would be like to wake up every day in this place. I, I assume that you're quite adept at uh, handling a boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what is one of the learning anyway? <laughs> what, what, what are some of the special memories of growing up uh, here for uh, you and your brother? For me, you know, um, the people that I met growing up. I mean, it's, we, we've had so many. I, I remember so many interesting conversations with people as a child, and you know, people seemed to really take an interest in what we were doing and. Um, I remember that just that positive feedback that I got from people really stuck with me through my life, and um, yeah, of course I love the planes and helicopters. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually was for a while. I was really seriously considering being a, a commercial pilot, but I, I decided to do other things instead. But uh, yeah, so I'd always go down and check out all the planes and they and get and try to get in the cockpit if I could and play with the instruments. Wow. Um, my dad was a pilot. Oh, yeah. I have the same yeah. fascination. Yeah. Did also did not become a pilot, well, but love planes. Yeah. Absolutely love planes. And mm-hmm. I've never been on a float plane, mm-hmm. and I'm dying to go on it because they're big and powerful. Those things are pretty pretty hefty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fishing trips with, with my dad, and um, I think just the, fam- the, the family closeness that we had here, you know, where we kind of, you know, we're... Basically, a lot of the times in the off season, we're out here on our own, um, and uh, so you know you, you, you have a, a kind of, I think, a special bond that you you kind of develop with the people around you yeah. those, in those circumstances. So, um, family, and of course the neighbors, and you know it's uh, the people that that are in your part of your life when you live more remotely I think are, are, are kind of are bigger they're kind of they're more influential maybe or yeah. the relationship that you develop with people is different just because you don't have the noise of all the other people around right. stuff going on it's you, you can really focus, I think you focus a bit more on you know um, when you talk to people who live in the busy communities I live in Austin Texas mm-hmm. uh, we all dream about that mm-hmm. If people talk about this, this is what I want. I want it to slow down. I want it to be quieter. I want deeper friendships. Mm-hmm. I don't want so many distractions. I don't need all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and this is the life that uh, you have led. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a dream for millions of people. Well, you know, I have to, yeah, I, 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 I appreciate that. I recognize that. And, uh, you know, have, so I... I yeah, I'm glad that my 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 kids can kind of seem to be also seeing the value and the you know how how special a thing that is. Uh, something I'm trying to instill in them as well, not to take that for granted. Because, yeah, you know this is all they know. Um, it's getting harder to find that in mm-hmm. this world. It's so busy so. and so connected. There's one last subject I'd like to ask you about. I know you have to go because your kids uh, <laughs> were have gone over the time limit. I know that I have, but. Uh, one of the interesting things about the Blind Channel uh, Resort is the presence of this tidal uh, power system that is right offshore here from the resort. I understand the University of British Columbia installed this with a company that I don't remember the name of, but it, it's connected to your resort. How, as, a, as, as the operator here, uh, how would you rate it? Uh, can you, can you st- talk frankly about it would you, on a scale of 1 to 10? What, what do you think of this technology? Uh, well, see, we uh, we haven't been able to run our 
our our power system with the tidal energy. It's a, it's a prototype, so I, I don't know if it'd be fair to to rate it. Uh, yeah. I think it's it's just a work in progress. There there, and uh, you know it, it, they're relying on on grant funding, which is which is sporadic. Uh, you know it hasn't been reliable for them. So. I, 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 there's a lot of energy potential here, for sure. It's, I mean, in this area, there's there's um, it's very tidal. Um, uh, the current is is um, it's powerful. It's powerful, and, and so uh, you, you know, it's a, it's a challenging environment to work in to to um, you know to secure a large infrastructure um, in fast moving water it lends itself to all kinds of challenges. Um, right. So, you know, we, we've, they've been able to, de- been able to demonstrate here that it can be done. Uh, the water depths here are also quite deep. Yeah. They, where that's this, located. Well, that one's actually on a bit of a shelf. So okay. they're only about 25 feet of water. Oh, right really? Here. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's and one of the reasons why they How many turbines? So it went from the surface when we came up to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a couple of buoys, mm-hmm. a, a, a pontoons, a yeah. a catamaran, mm-hmm. Uh, is there a single uh, propeller uh, underneath, or is it more than one? Uh, it's a, it's like a drum, okay, with an airfoil system, which which turns the the tur- the um, ah. mechanism to make yeah. Okay, so, so it rotates sort of like a drum, like yeah. a barrel. Yeah. Okay, and the tidal currents in here, and I'm not a mariner, so but I I, I did look at the chart. Seven point two knots through here okay. uh, today, I think was I was like, wow, that's a Mm-hmm. It's a lot of water, and coming up Johnson uh, Strait, it, we were getting moved around a lot. There's mm-hmm. the power of the tidal exchange through these narrow channels is pretty impressive. You think there would be a way to put something in the water that spins, yes, and produces some energy. What was it rated to be? Did they uh, ever tell you? This this particular unit is rated to, for uh, 20 kilowatts uh, max output at six knots of current. Okay. So, um, and it operates so in either tidal direction. It, it yeah, it spins does. either way. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it was challenging. That that part of it was challenging because the currents, you know, I think uh, they anticipate that the currents coming perpendicular to each other, the flood and the ebb yeah. tide. But of course, and they don't. They don't. So is so that right? They have to re-engineer <laughs> things kind of at the last minute. Wow. They, yeah. So the whole the whole apparatus actually swings with the current now, so that it aligns itself. I see. Um, like a weather vane. Mm-hmm. Like a weather exactly. sailboat, supposed to right. turn well, into the very wind. large scale. Right. Yeah. Very. Well, Elliot, uh, thank you for taking time out. And the restaurant is shut down. Your employees have left. So uh, <laughs> I want to thank you for letting me touch base with you and be Absolutely. on the American Shoreline podcast. Folks, uh, Elliot Richter from Lost uh, Ch- Blind Channel Blind Resort Channel. in British Columbia. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. Winds gonna blow to London